0: Welcome to another episode of Electable. I'm Deb Chubb, and our podcast is sponsored by Indiana Women's Action Movement. So uh, today we're picking up on some news that uh, came out not too long ago um, about um, the INCHI, uh, uh report, which is the Indiana Civic Health Index. And um, it really made some interesting uh, notations about uh, the way Indiana voters are participating in government and the way all Hoosiers are participating in government and so I'm really excited to have with me today'm um, Bill Moreau he's a, a retired attorney who uh, did not stop working um, he and his wife created a 501c3 called the Indiana citizen education Foundation and um and they also uh he's a publisher of the Indiana citizen an online um, political uh, news, uh, news publication. So, and it's very good, by the way, very good. I really enjoy reading it. It's very timely and, um, and, and of course, um, you know, nonpartisan, uh, but very uh, clear and accurate about what's happening in Indiana politics. And so um, Bill, you, were, you participated in the press conference uh, uh, for the release of the uh, Civic Health Index Report And you made lots of great comments uh, along with um, the retired uh, Supreme Court Justice, uh, Indiana State Supreme Court Justice, uh, Randall Shepard. And I'm sorry, I I have not remembered her name. Uh, She's from up in my area. Ellen
1: Zarletta, Professor Ellen Zarletta from IU Northwest.
0: Great, great, right. Yeah, super, uh, super team. I, you know, super articulate and uh, really brilliant uh, and great work. So um, maybe we could start by your just telling us a little bit about the report, what you found. Um, but you know what we're really gonna you know want to talk about in length is um, you know voter registration and uh, voter turnout, which is of course you know critical to great elections and fair elections in Indiana. So if you could tell us um, a little bit more about the report, that would be great.
1: Thank you, Devin. Thank you very much for the invitation. Right, this is a very very timely discussion because. The 2021 edition of the Indiana Civic Health Index uh, was released just last week, and um, I'd urge you to go to our website, indianacitizen.org, and you'll see in very prominent uh, place on our landing page, um, a summary uh, of the report and links that will take you to the report itself, Uh, and if you're really glutton for punishment, there's a link to the recording of the 48-minute press conference. So. Um, yeah, the 2021 edition is the fifth edition. Uh, the first one uh, was 2011, then skipped uh, to 2015, 2017, 2019, and 2021. Uh, the driving force behind the Civic Health Index index has always been the Indiana Bar Foundation, uh, led now for 20 years by a remarkable man by the name of uh, Chuck, Charles, Charles Dunlap is the president of the Indiana Bar Foundation. And I think it's safe to say that the Indiana Bar Foundation does more for the civic health of our state, civic life, civic literacy than any other uh, group uh, in Indiana. Y- y- your viewers may be familiar with the We the People program, the mock mock trial program, um, just a-, a fabulous organization that uh, works day in and day out to try to improve Indiana's civic health. So uh, Indiana was one of the first uh, states to sign up for uh, this uh, study um, again, I said the first edition was 2011, uh, we started working on the report um, as a full partner in the report in 2019. In fact, the 2019 edition really um, uh, presented that sort of the factual basis, the information uh, basis uh, for the launch of, of our 501c3, the Indiana Citizen Education Foundation, because uh, the results coming out of the twenty nine report, twenty nineteen report, were just uh, awful, and here we are uh, two years later, and uh, they're even worse. Uh, meaning, you know, Indiana's just headed in the wrong direction on some of these very important uh, metrics of civic health.
0: Right. So, um, and I looked at those numbers and everything, and it was, um, you know, it was uh, of course sad. Um, how many people in Indiana are not registered to vote?
1: Well, this is a fascinating discussion that we could have, and I'm not going to trust my memory here, so I'm going to go to my uh, go to my notes. But um, look, if you go inside uh, the Secretary of State's uh, website and look at the official uh, reports, you, you'll see that um, in uh, November 2020, you'll see the outcome of the 2020 uh, election, and. Uh, you, you, It will say that 4,751,370 Hoosiers were registered on election day of November 2020. Well, that number represents 95% of, of the voting eligible population in Indiana. And this is no criticism of this Secretary of State or any of her successor. Once in an early life, I was the Deputy Secretary of State when Evan By was Secretary of State. So this has been a, a problem that plagues um, every state. Um, the voter registration official numbers are, are inflated. People move, people die, uh, people become otherwise uh, ineligible. Um, but the Indiana Civic Health Index, importantly, which goes to your question, says that 69.3% of the Hoosiers surveyed for that report Said they were registered. Well, of course, the re- reverse of that, uh, you know, is about 31% who are not uh, registered. And if you multiply that percentage time the voting age by the voting age population, voting eligible population, you come with up with more than a million and a half Hoosiers in, in the uh, uh, who are not registered at all. So the number is probably someplace in between, right? um but you know uh uh most importantly of course (laughs) registration is that first vital most important step you have to take in indiana and we have one of the earliest uh deadlines uh for a registration you know maybe someday we'll live long enough to say to see same day voting uh, voter registration which occurs in so many states but the point being is step one is to get registered and uh there is a lot of social science about what happens when somebody uh, becomes a first-time voter. They're more interested and more voted- motivated than may- maybe any time in their life to really get informed. Uh, and, you know, so that very first vote they cast is really uh, very well informed. So uh, there's, there's a, another sort of myth out there is that why waste your time on the unregistered? Uh, why waste your time trying to motivate uh, those who uh, don't participate, right? Shame on them, right? That's what the political class will say. Shame on them. It's not our fault. Shame on them. Well, uh, this goes to some really fundamental notions of how you think about democracy. And I, I probably ought to take a breath there. <laughs> Or I can go on and on and on and on on this topic. I guess and we'll get, you know,
0: we'll get more into that education because I want to talk about that, too. The, um, I saw in the report the recommendation of uh, making schools um, uh, certified as, you know, like STEM schools are certified, uh, certified as democracy schools or democratic schools. Um, so I would love to hear democracy, more about that. Not
1: democratic, not in this state. Can't be called democratic right. schools democracy school.
0: democracy school thank you thank you so um so yeah so um but as to voter registration there is a lot going on and I'm wondering you know uh if your group is you know helping pull those groups together so there's League of women voters there's NAA yeah there's
1: um
0: uh there's a hope a group of called hope which is new
1: yep great um, group great yeah group.
0: all terrific so um you know, and I've done voter registry, I've been um, involved with the League of Women Voters for many, many years. And, you know, it's hard, it is hard registering voters. And I'm wondering why, you know, why all those groups coming together is not more successful in getting, you know, more and more, more higher percentage of Hoosiers registered.
1: Well, uh, COVID had a had a big impact on uh, registration in 2020. And uh, in fact, there were a couple of national pieces about Uh, the effect of COVID on traditional, you know, uh, clipboard style voter registration. Um, so I'm going to lay a big compliment on the Indiana Secretary of State. Um, and that is uh, the Indiana Secretary of State's website is the most efficient way to register to vote. In.
0: It is. Yes.
1: And, and I have registered as you've registered scores of people, you know, uh, setting up tables at the farmer's market sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, In fact, no one should ever do pen and ink and paper form registration in Indiana ever again. I agree. The history of that is just uh, awful to begin with, but it has more importantly been superseded by this really cool technology. And why is it so cool and why is it so effective? Because the state of Indiana already knows everything it needs to know about you in order to be qualified to register to vote, right? Um, And that's why it's uh, connected to um, your driver's license. number, Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, If you have a driver's license, you can register to vote uh, in five minutes. Right. And you get immediately get confirmation that you're registered. In fact, if I could go off on a tangent here, only a little bit. We already have same day voter registration in Indiana. Don't tell the secretary of state that because she would. Uh, you know, because that's not what it means. Right. Same day voter registration means that you can show up on Election Day and register and cast a ballot. We don't have that in Indiana, but we sure have the technology to do it. That technology would work as well on Election Day as it works a month before Election Day.
0: Absolutely. Right. And, you know, and I would just want to throw it out there. Uh, IndianaVoters.com is where you go to access that system. So uh, and it is it is super easy. I agree. I never use the paper anymore. It Doesn't make sense to to use it. Um, and uh, you know you can do it on your phone. I you know so yeah. I you know and I will say too that um, I'm discovering over my many years um, great places to stand are outside of gas stations and dollar stores. <laughs> I have had some good success there, so I, I recommend those locations. Um, so um, so we don't really have a good explanation for why given all of these great groups out there that we, you know, we're not getting more full voter registration it, and, and motor voter, uh, you know, too. Um, I, I, you know, when I do voter registration. A lot of times uh, young people they'll go, Oh no, I'm not registered. And I'll look them up. And I'm like, well, yeah, you are, you know, they did it and they, they forgot uh, because it's so easy to do it when you get your driver's
1: license. Um, exactly. Exactly. And um, if I could put in a, a plug for um, a registering high school seniors, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is something that the league uh, has been very active in, depending upon, you know, the counties that are mo- most active. Um, in September of 2020, so right before the 2020 election, we released a study that um, public policy group at Tufts University um, had performed, which they looked into voter registration files, of 40 states, and compared registration August 2020 versus November 2016, and they broke it out by age cohorts. The number of Hoosiers, uh, eighteen and nineteen year old, eighteen and nineteen years old in twenty twenty, right, mm-hmm. had actually dropped fifty one percent from just before the election in twenty sixteen, and we hit the panic button. We tried to get um, high schools uh, to, you know, really get interested in it and didn't get much traction there. But, uh, if I were, uh, emperor for, uh, a, a day, uh, I would, uh, really focus on, uh, making sure, uh, you know, nobody gets out of, um, of their senior year of high school without having, uh, the opportunity to register.
0: Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I,
1: oppor- I noticed I said opportunity. I'm, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make it a requirement of graduation, right? That's, I think a little too, uh, heavy handed, but, uh, if you you know you, you know how it works with young people. If it, if it becomes the thing to do, you know, in your high school, and shame on you if you're not registered. And it's so easy, right? It's right. it's technology that these kids are so familiar.
0: Yeah. So um. So okay. So now that we're talking about school, let's talk about more of that education, um, the uh, democracy education that you're promoting, uh, the. the the recommendations that uh, ended up as part of the Indiana uh, legislation that was passed in 2021, uh, that required um, more civics education, a full semester um, in middle school. And, uh, but it doesn't start till 2023, 24, that school year. Um, But it sounds like we're getting ready. I wish it was starting now, frankly, but but it requires more um, professional development. Um, And of course we, you know, Okay, this crazy bill that's in Indiana hasn't passed yet. And I I still hold out hope that it's not. But we have. I'm
1: sorry, could you be a little bit more specific? Which crazy (laughs) bill? It
0: doesn't narrow it down, (laughs) not That's
1: It doesn't narrow it
0: down. Right. So. I mean, there's, there's several versions, I think 1040 in the house is, or 1041, perhaps anyway, it really, it, you know, it limits, um, what teachers can talk about as far as American history, they use terms, uh, like not, they're banning anti-American talk. Um, and, uh, some of them even, you know, go, so some of those bills actually go so far as to say, well, you can, you know, you you're allowed to say that socialism and Marxism uh, do not align with American principles. Um, but they don't say anything about fascism and Nazism not aligning uh, with American principles, which is a little frightening. Um, but anyway, so I'm, I, I'm really worried that how this, you know, I mean, that was such a success. I was, I was just um, so happy um, when, and it was a Republican bill. And, you know, of course, it was great that it got passed that, yes, we're going to have more civics education. Wonderful. Um, but now, um, this year we're having this kind of, you know, gag order put on, uh, teachers, uh, to limit their ability to talk about, I mean, this is civics, this is government, this is, uh, the history of government. And, um, how will we teach civics under those circumstances?
1: Wow. That is a great question. Um, I hadn't really given much thought to how that, Bill might uh, affect uh, civics uh, education, but um, wouldn't it, it, it be wonderful if the legislation itself became the focus of a civics class? Right. Meaning, let's talk. Right, let's talk about the uh, Constitution. Let's talk about the promise uh, of America. Um, and, and by the way, you know there is a word that ends in ism called by, by the name of patriotism right i mean in in terms of how do we talk about our country and its values in a in a in a loving respectful uh, way uh which we ought to have a sufficient information um to you know create that kind of um loyalty, affection, uh, for our country. Heck, I'm an army brat, so you can imagine how I was raised, but at the same time, uh, have a warts and all conversation uh, about America. That, that is, that is in the greatest tradition of what it means to be an American, it seems to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, eyes wide open, uh, about, uh, our hopes and aspirations as a country, uh, how we haven't lived up to those aspirations, what a more perfect union might look like if we could work on these topics. Yeah, I I, um, I, I think uh, this legislation might, may find itself uh, right smack dab, uh, you know, in a classroom. You know, let's have a discussion about this legislation and really what it means in terms of our our basic small D democratic values.
0: That's right. So, and uh, we know that this legislation is not unique to Indiana. Um, there's no. many states, um, you know, that are, are, you know, Alec, you know, is passing out the. Template. There are these
1: groups that just churn, churn these model uh, uh, bills out. Right.
0: Yeah. So this is happening out of places. And I wonder if, you know, on that topic uh, what are other states doing about their civic engagement? I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I suspect that one your answer will include that many states are doing better at um, allowing voter access uh, and ensuring more people have access to the polls. Um, but um, but what are, you know, I mean, so if you compare, like, so if, if everybody's passing these laws uh, that are putting gag orders on teachers' uh, discussion of American history. Um, what's the other side of the coin on that you know what are other states doing as to civics civic engagement and civic education
1: well these these states are far much farther along than we are okay because uh not not only in terms of the pedagogy you know what goes on uh in in classrooms and so yes thank you for highlighting that uh a lot of good came out of the 2019 indiana civic health index Uh, This was the final report of the Civic Education Task Force, which was led by Lieutenant Governor Crouch. It was really a very blue ribbon commission. It turned into legislation, uh, passed almost unanimously, uh, does create uh, for the first time a middle school uh, civics education uh, requirement, um, because there was a a recognition, uh, thankfully, a recognition that we really needed to work on basic civics education in Indiana. Okay. All right, that's the K through 12 education component of it. Then there's the eight, What what happens when you turn 18, and how a straight uh, state views you, and, and and insofar as participation in the democratic part process is concerned. So we, in fact, in the 2021 edition, we went so far as to um, uh, look at the states that consistently uh, uh, were in the top 10 of states for for registration and turnout. Uh, and there were seven states that were there, you, you know, time after time after time. And uh, we set forth the policy choices, the public policy choices that have been made in those states, like automatic voter registration, meaning you you interact with go- state government at some uh, level, right? And you're immediately uh, checked to see whether uh, you're registered to vote. And you are automatically registered if you're not, unless you opt out. We have an opt-in system uh, when you show up at the same day voter registration uh, is, is, is another policy that is uh, common uh, in these states uh, and lo- certainly longer voting uh, hours uh, you know there are uh, a number of those policy choices. Indiana hasn't made a single one of those policy choices. In fact, there's to your earlier point there's legislation when you talk about the list of bad legislation, Uh, There's the bill that Representative uh, Westcoe is pushing, House Bill 1116, which explicitly, I guess you have to give him candor, uh, you know, some points for candor. He's pushing in order to discourage absentee voting and encourage people to show up and vote in person. You know, uh, that's a view of America that, uh, to me, strikingly small town 1950s. You know, everybody should show up to vote uh, in, in person. And I, and I say that with a level of, of respect, but it, it has missed dramatically uh, the change in, in technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also has missed what happened in 2020 in this very state, right? Uh, the parties got together in a rare moment of uh, comedy and moved the uh, uh, primary uh, from May to June. And um, uh, it was a no-excuse absentee voting election. Well, once the primaries were over, uh, you know, then that, that kind of went away. Uh, and it was decided that the November um, election uh, would be, uh, you know, a regular uh, election. Well, look what happened again. Large numbers of absentee. Vote. So people, the, the, the constituents of these uh, representatives and senators are telling them, I'd like to be able to have the option of voting absentee if I can't show up. And oh, by the way, I can check that box, right? I can, by, by voting absentee, I can discharge my civic duty and get it behind me, right? And not have to worry about whether I get a flat tire on election day, right? Right.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not sure, you know, what the excuse for that is. I mean, it's, it's clear that, you know, discouraging voter (laughs) voter turnout is is the goal there's
1: look let's just say it out loud because uh it it, it, it's by the way it's a it's a mindset that both parties have and i learned that the hard way when we were working on registration education and turnout in 2020 um if you figured out a way to acquire and hold power next step is perpetuating power And uh, whether you're a Republican who's figured out how to uh, uh, get power or whether you're a Democrat who's figured out uh, how to get power, you don't want first-time voters coming in to the body politic because you can't be sure how they will vote. The parties only want people showing up. They know in advance how they're going to vote. And that is just unhealthy.
0: It is. It is absolutely undemocratic. So, yeah.
1: You, so, you know, these, these, these people take oaths of office, right? Right. <laughs> you know, and swear uh, that, they, they, you know, they're, they're going to, uh, it's not explicit in these oaths, but it's certainly implicit in the oath that by taking office, you're going to help help perpetuate democracy.
0: <laughs> yeah. That
1: seems pretty fundamental to me.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. I don't know. I don't know where to go with all that. I, and I, you know, I, I, I'll I, ask you just to, you know, check the box, but all those states that, you know, that we looked at, uh, uh, I looked at in your report that showed all those uh, other services, you know, same day voter registration, longer hours, uh, no, no, uh, no cause absentee ballot voting. Um, uh, are they reporting significant fraud as a result Zero. of these expansive... Zero. Oh, yeah, so that's what, yeah,
1: yeah. it. Yeah, is zero. I mean, look, uh, uh, I don't know which version of the big lie it is. Uh, there are so many, but um, uh, one of them is that there's uh, widespread voter fraud. Okay, well, you know um, that that isn't said about Indiana elections. No one would have the audacity to say that about the uh, Indiana elections. Um, I, th- I think you could count on one hand the number of uh of criminal you know uh outright criminal fraudulent unlaw illegal voting behavior um uh in indiana over the last 50 years right it it, it's just it's just not done uh
0: right
1: you know and and uh, greater election security is the solution in search of a problem
0: absolutely Uh,
1: and you know uh we we have uh, in indiana really um a very well-developed system that you, you know that's that's highly localized
0: mm-hmm.
1: yep. right and it and, and, and involves so many people and so many good honest people uh that uh, you know vote outright voter fraud uh is just not a problem in our in our country
0: right i mean and i i was so grateful to Republicans like never before in 2020 at the local level who you know stood their ground and and conducted those elections uh, fairly and accurately and securely and would not you know would not change their mind uh, regardless of their party uh, the pressure from uh, the higher ups in their party uh, that was just amazing to me that was just such a I couldn't agree moment. with you more yeah. uh, I
1: was frustrated with some of the uh party regulars, uh, in terms of the way they, um, uh, really got in the way of our efforts and other efforts to register new voters and turn out first, first time voters. Um, but when it came to the actual conduct of, of the election, it was doggone near perfect, uh, in in Indiana.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, in a lot of places, I mean, most places, (laughs) yeah. So, all right. So let's turn now to voter turnout. This is, um, you know, the other really frustrating, difficult to crack nut um, in Indiana and in many places, I'm sure. But um, um, how many people were registered in 2020 and did not vote?
1: How many people were registered and did not vote? So, well, okay, here's that moment. In which, uh, if we take the voter register the official voter registration numbers of four million seven hundred fifty one thousand, and the official turnout number three million sixty eight thousand six hundred twenty five, uh, that would indicate that about what a million seven hundred thousand registered voters uh, didn't vote. And that's how you get to sixty one percent turnout, right. um, and and so uh, that's a lot right? Uh, It is a lot. Yeah.
0: So, and I know, you know, the long game plan is the civics education, um, that will hopefully instill some, you know, motivation in people who are to get registered and then those that are registered to go out and vote. Um, but you know, what are the problems? What are the other things that, that we can do to address the low voter turnout?
1: Well, of course, um, Contested elections matter.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And that, I think, is uh, why uh, gerrymandering is arguably the most uh, insidious and effective form of voter suppression ever devised by the mind of man. uh, By deciding in advance who's going to win. Right. A third of the members of the Indiana House and Senate, a third didn't have an opponent in the fall. Yeah. Uh, and the maps that were just uh, drawn in, in September, which will, you know, go into effect uh, for the 2022 election cycle, are um, uh, a repeat of the maps, uh, you know, that were drawn in 2011. Uh, and uh, all with the intention of preserving uh, the super majorities in the General Assembly. Uh, we here in Indianapolis are seeing the same dance go on. I'm pointing uh, east on the east end of Market Street in Indianapolis is where this is the city county account is the city county building where the city county council meets. And the Democrats in Indianapolis have an 80 percent supermajority in the council, 20 of 25 seats. And now they're embarked on a re, uh, redistricting process for those 25 districts that is just completely mimicking what the Republicans did at the state level, right? I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up, right? That uh, that the parties, you know, um, would would fight and argue about uh, so many things. So
0: right.
1: we saw the Democrats in the legislature uh, screaming about gerrymandering. Right. And the Indianapolis City County Council even passed a resolution in 2017, signed by the mayor calling on the legislature to set up an independent redistricting commission
0: right oh, yeah.
1: yeah okay well now uh it's 2021 and it's time for the democrats who control the council to redistrict to 25 seats and when asked about oh okay where's your independent redistricting commission no no no, 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 no. We, we don't have to do that you know state law doesn't compel us to do that well okay we're not talking about something that state law requires because look down and Monroe County and look in Bloomington, where they have voluntary citizen uh, uh, redistricting advisory, important word, advisory commission. No, 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 no. That was then. This is now, you know, we, we're, we're just not going to do that. You, you can't make this stuff up.
0: Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I mean, uh, you know, from a Democratic point of view, I mean, it's really shooting themselves in the foot um, because for statewide races, um, you know, so, okay, so the gerrymandering in Marion County will result in lower voter turnout among Democrats, right? Um, and it's like that in some of the other areas in Indiana, Lake County is, you know, some northern Lake County, Lots, several districts that are like that. So, and they have some of the voter, lowest voter turnout in these very Democratic um, uh, districts, um, you know, um, in St. Joe County and Lake County, Um And it's in those are Democratic areas and it's because they know they don't they don't have to vote because the Democrats going to win. So that's what happens. And like, you know, same on the other side for the Republican uh, districts. So uh, for Democrats, though, to do that um, and really suppress voter turnout by gerrymandering Marion County is going to impact the election of Democrats at the statewide level. Because even though you know you don't, yeah, in Marion County you don't have to show up. You will get a Democrat um, representative. But what about U.S. Senator? What about Secretary of State? What about State Auditor, State Treasurer, Governor? You know all of these uh, larger races. Um, so it's really, I mean, more damaging to Democrats to behave this way in Marion County, um, you know, ultimately uh, than Republicans. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, and I'm not sure why they don't see that.
1: Uh, you and me too, uh, but um, it, it of course has to do with um, uh, having a, acquired uh, power in Marion County and that is the limit of their focus. Can't see beyond the borders of, of Marion County, don't need to because it keeps us in power. And uh, it's really, it's it's disheartening um, because you'd think that maybe uh, one of the parties could stake out redistricting reform you know, as, uh, as as a motivating principle, right? right. Um, um, but but uh, it's only a motivating principle when the other party's doing it, not when right. you're doing it.
0: Right. To uh, to pass the script, you know, you know,
1: yeah, just the, down the down party. Market Street, right? Yeah. Wa- yeah. Watching it unfold here in Marion County, it, it it really looks like somebody took a box of records from the west end of Market Street and State House and walked it <laughs> up to. The city county building and said, "Here's the script on how you do it and how you get away with it, and and get away with it." This is a critical, critical moment, critical component of this analysis is the United States Supreme Court has ruled. There's no place in uh, in uh, federal um, uh, litigation for um, uh, partisan gerrymandering cases. Right, uh, it's a political question. It uh, it doesn't belong in a federal uh, court. And it's just, um, I understand how they get there. I understand how that case uh, turned out the way I did as a lawyer, but it's still, it was the wrong result. It was a drum or please. It was five, four, five, four. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's disappointing and the impact that that's having. Um, I, I there is, you know, some theory of a cause of action, uh, that says, you know, because, um, gerrymandering in, to impact racial, uh, voting, uh, fairness uh, is still not allowed. Um, And uh, there are some people I've heard trying to make the argument that, well, at this point, political partisanship um, aligns so closely with racial demographics that um, you can't really separate it. So, I mean, I don't know if that that is getting anywhere, but... Anyway. Well, right.
1: I mean, you're a lawyer, so you, you know this is the uh, okay. Let's sue under the Voting Rights Act uh, theory, and uh, the, the people I know, good lawyers who know that statute far better than I do, um, say uh, it, it, that would un- be un- uh, unlikely to because you'd have to actually now because the way the Voting Rights Act and civil rights legis- uh, litigation has unfolded over the years, you'd have to show a smoking gun, yeah. right? You'd have to find. Some record in which one of the map drawers says, "You know, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to screw the African Americans in this district." And you know,
0: yeah, it's, yeah. And, it's and, it's and too hard to it's too hard to yep. prove at this point. So okay, great. So um, so I do want to um talk a little bit about um the education component of your work. Um, I was really excited to see the notion of uh that it came you know was in the so. Part of the legislation that caused, you know, that created the task force um, included this notion of uh, democracy education in schools and um, also put out this idea of schools being certified as democracy schools. And um, and I wonder if you have any more details on that, because, I've, you know, that's really an exciting um, proposition. I, I, you know,
1: I- I really don't because uh, the Barr Foundation has really um, taken the lead uh, on that. Our, our contribution to civic education in, in Indiana is uh, every day at indianacitizen.org. We get every, up every day uh, with the goal of making sure that Hoosiers uh, know uh, as much as we can possibly produce uh, about policies that affect um, our civic life um and uh we've we've had some success we're now up to uh, over twenty five thousand uh, individual uh visitors uh a month um and i think we are we are making a contribution and i'm delighted deb that you're one of our, our readers i mean we really are trying to create sort of a one-stop shop uh for information uh and and for engagement right you can register to vote on our site you can learn about uh your legislator we perfected in 2020, something we called a virtual ballot. Oh my gosh, was that a pain to create? Um, and, and it, but it's address-based, right? And so um, right, right before the election, you can plug in your address, the names of everybody on your ballot, all the way down, all the way down your ballot will appear. Okay. That's helpful. Not, but then the next step, you click on the names and you'll go to unbiased information about the candidates. Not can't, not, information created by the candidates uh I- information that has been uh created by uh, uh, professional journalists um oh, uh, summarizing uh the information well that's
0: great and i have to give a call out to the league of women voters um you know they have oh, a, for sure. a thing called a 411 vote411.org. vote four one one. you know when i was uh involved with the local league you know uh those that like you get the headache. Yes, I did that headache. I was the one assigned to try to figure out this uh, software and get the candidates to get their photos uploaded. <laughs> and we, and this their system is exactly like what you say. You put in your address, it shows you your yep. ballot. You click on the on the name of a candidate. Um, but what they get is information that the candidate has provided. So um, we had a
1: yes, we had a long, long, long series of conversations with the league in 2020 to see whether we could get our models aligned and we just couldn't. And, uh, and I say that with a great deal of respect, um, for the league, uh, because, you know, what we, we took on was another order of magnitude of work and time and expense and whatnot. And, and the league's lawyer said, uh, you know, we'll never get sued. We, you know, we just made ourselves, you know, uh, litigation proof because we have just imported the information that the candidates have given us. And I'm, and we said, okay, um, well, yeah, that's that's an approach. That's that's not our approach. And, 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 and by the way, had, having both ahead. sets of information out there, of course, is just all the better for uh, for voters.
0: Right. So and so people can access that system on your website, right? The Indiana citizens. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, it, of course, you know, it's it's uh, it, it we're, we're working hard to make sure it's set up for the May primary. Whoa. Is that going to be a heavy lift? Um, yeah. But it'll certainly be in place for the general
0: election. And so have you had any um, candidates who, um, you know, don't like what you wrote about Yes,
1: them? Yes. How and I that say happen? that with great, great pride. We, we, we've uh, in the 2020 cycle, uh, I fielded some phone calls from uh, old friends uh, who, uh, uh, in one case, an incumbent. <laughs> you'll love this. The incumbent didn't like the fact that we had given equal space to her opponent. (laughs) And we, you know, then I said, you know, listen to yourself. And right. Somebody I've known for years and she went, Oh gosh, you're right. Bye. (laughs) She she realized what she was saying. Right. Yeah. But you know, in her mind, it just could not have been possible that her lengthy, you know, career in public service Uh, you know, would have X words devoted to summarizing it. And her opponent who'd really never done anything in in his life would have the same number of words uh, devoted, but that was the point, right? That was what we were trying to do. Um, And maybe, maybe she was complaining that we were giving her opponent more credibility than he deserved. She got 80% of the vote. So it all turned out.
0: Oh, good, good, good. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. But uh, yeah. So, uh, but no real lawsuits, huh?
1: No, 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 no. I, I I can't imagine we would, um, well, of course, as you know, as a lawyer, anybody with filing fee can file a lawsuit, but, uh, no, we, uh, those profiles are, are, are never going to cause us, um, uh, to be sued, uh, because they're just bulletproof factually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they're a public figure. So, um, so, uh, Anyway. Okay, great. Well, we are, we are, oh, we're a little over time, but that's all right. So this was so much fun. Um, I really uh, enjoy chatting with you. About- oh, me
1: too. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't met before now. And I'm delighted we, we have met. And uh, I know you're doing a lot of good work with your uh, podcast and um, by all means, uh, you know, ask me back. You may have detected. I, I love talking about this uh, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get people, fired up and agitated about this. We're trying to uh, actually practice a form of what I call agitational journalism, uh, uh, meaning uh, it's, it's always factual, um, but it, uh, it, we're, we're trying to uh, get information out that might actually um, piss some people off. Okay. And, uh, and the takes. people that we're trying to energize are really uh, our fellow citizens who are not yet engaged in the civic life of our state.
0: Well, and I would say oh. that's what I find is that um, people here, you know, the, they think this is just the way it is and that um, this is the way it is everywhere. Um, and so I think it's so important for you to be really enlightening people about how it is in other places, how much easier it is to get registered and how much easier it is to get out and get into the polls and vote. Uh, and people here are just they're just kind of used to it. They know that it's difficult and. You know, and they think that's just the way it is. So I think that's really important to say, you know, lots of other people do a much better job than us and we can change too.
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, and I'll just close with this. We, we have suggested that uh, any uh, bill that uh, uh, touches on Title Three of the Indiana Code at all uh, ought to be analyzed through an initial screen. Uh, is this bill uh, uh, likelier to encourage or to discourage a voter, right? Is it it likely to encourage additional turnout or to discourage additional turnout? And if the answer is the latter, it ought to fail, right? You you shouldn't go mucking around in the election code in this state um, until we can can, uh, figure out a way to promote additional uh,
0: turnout. Right, absolutely. All right, well, we have to end. And so thank you so much again for doing this, Um, Bill. This has been a lot of fun. And I do hope we get to do this again.
1: Great, Deb. Take care.